I don't think it's a negative attribute. I think a lot of us have it. Like you said, it's just in naturally. Yes, I can do all 12 departments, but the question is, should you, and will doing that prevent you from growing? To another episode of Live Your Truth Now. I'm your host, Katie Dandre, and I have an exciting guest for you today. Yes, I always say that, and yes, they're always exciting. TJ Slattery is one of my good friends. I met him in Denver, Colorado. TJ is a business advisor with Cultivate Advisors, and previously to that, he is co-founder of Zuna Street Brewing. But before we begin this awesome conversation, I want to do a special shout out to our sponsor, Arlesol Visualize Innovation. Arlesol is a business strategy and consulting firm that specializes in combining battle-tested business tools with illustration to help you get clear on exactly where you want to go, how you're going to grow and get there, and then create a tactical action plan to be able to realize that vision and that dream. Visit Arlesol, A-R-L-O-S-O-U-L.com to find out more information. All right, TJ, it's such a pleasure to have you here. I know this is one of your first podcast episodes ever, and so I'm pretty honored to have you. Very excited to be here, Katie. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so we're going to get down into a quick and dirty conversation about what it's like to A, be a business advisor to entrepreneurs, and B, what it's like to grow, scale, and then eventually sell your portion of a business. Oh, yeah. It's been quite a journey. I know it has been. We've had a lot of conversations about the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> but yeah, first, let's kick it off with what you're up to now. Like, what, what, what does being a business advisor even mean? What are you doing? <laughs> well, we advise people on their business. <laughs> Classic. So I partnered with Cultivate earlier this year, and they specifically work to recruit entrepreneurs and business owners to be their advisors and go work with small businesses. And the object is to scale and grow those businesses to meet and exceed their expectations. And we help to set goals and we're past them. We pile through six different propellers and help businesses to optimize each department in productivity, leadership, recruitment. And we work through things like financials, sales, and marketing. Got it. So what's your sweet spot so far? Mm, I do like working through productivity a lot. One of my biggest challenges when I was running my business was finding ways to work on the business instead of just in it. And I think so many entrepreneurs right now are struggling with that, where it's like, where do I find the time to actually strategize on my business instead of spending all the time doing the duties of the business? And so I work with them to manage their productivity and utilize the systems and processes in place to build those systems and processes and to start putting in automation and finding ways to delegate some of those duties so that they can work on the business. So what is like the most common thing you recommend your entrepreneurs do differently in order to work on their business, not in their business? Stop chasing shiny red balls. Who, me? <laughs> Every, I love them. Everybody's got them. I, I've got them. Everyone's got them on their plate. And it's a it's a, a matter of focus, but also in the way that you schedule your day and in the way that you prioritize your tasks. So everybody's got different things coming across their desk, whether it's questions from your staff or employees, from customers, from things that just pop up in your email, being able to put your head down and work on the things that are most important versus things that come up throughout your day and having a system in place to manage those later is really important. And it helps to save a lot of time so that you actually can move your company forward instead of getting bogged down in the minutia of the pit of shiny red balls. What happens if you could do them all? <laughs> I think for a while you can. I think, but once you 
grow large enough, you have to find a depository for those balls so you can work on them later and hand them to somebody else. Because if you spend all your time chasing them, you'll never work on the really important things that move you ahead. Yeah, I get that. It's funny. That's actually the realization I had in my meditation yesterday. I'm like, Katie, you've been a drill of all trades since you can remember. Like you've been good at pretty much everything you've done. It's gotten you so far, but now you're not an expert in anything. (laughs) And so I really acknowledge you for providing that support to your entrepreneurs. I know they're paying you for it, but it really is the only way to become excellent at something. And so like, I mean, A, you can tell me to specialize if you want, full permission granted. But yeah, it's, it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs face is like we choose to start our own businesses because we can do so many different things and we have a vision and it's also a limiting factor. Bingo. Yeah. So I, I really I resonate a lot with what you're saying because it's been one of my biggest hurdles to being a visionary and to being someone that can do so many things. And also it prevents me from getting the shit that I need to do done, the stuff that's going to move my mark on my business done. Yeah. And it's a, it's a common thread. And I think... The mentality is for so many people that are also hustlers is I can do everything. And it's like, I think for now you can, but how much are you sleeping? Are you getting free time? Mm -hmm. And how many times per day or per week are there really big blocks that you need to be taken care of moving past you without you really jumping on them because you're inundated with so many other things because you're the, I can do everything kind of entrepreneur. I don't think it's a negative attribute. I think a lot of us have it. Like you said, it's just in naturally. Yes, I can do all 12 departments. But the question is, should you and will doing that prevent you from growing? And I know a conversation we've had before is like the light side and the shadow side of our attributes, mm-hmm. right? Like the shadow side of being a hustler is that you burn the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something I also know nothing about. Oh man, you know? that's a hard phase to go through. Yeah. Well, we realize we're just humans and like energy is neither created nor destroyed, but we can't just pull energy out of nowhere. So if we burn it, we have to replenish it. And that comes from self-care. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, how did you come to be qualified to work with Cultivate? Tell me about that journey. I'm so glad you asked. So my whole career has been filled with small business management and entrepreneurial gigs, Um, working with small companies, either in the management or working for them or in them or doing startups. And the largest project that I had going on into this largest company was starting Zuni Street Brewing here in Denver which I think we kicked off planning 2014, 2015, launched in 2017, then I exited in 2020. The whole time I was working on building the brewery, I was also getting my MBA. So I was getting the academic experience of the MBA and all the systems and processes and kind of higher level management courses mixed with actually putting those into play while building the brewery. So all the marketing, all the accounting, all the, you know, how to manage people, A lot of that with my experience I already had was going into the business plan, into the build out of the brewery. So it was a great experience to do this together. And then I took time off in the NBA while I was operating the brewery. So when I came out in 2020, February of 2020, I kind of had finished both at the same time, tied them together as a package and said, well, well, where can we bring this to market? This is such an amazing, horrific, and beautiful experience <laughs> to have all these together. What, Where's a good place to be using this? And so obviously there's other businesses you can go into or I had you know enough money to buy a business or start something else from scratch and decided to pivot. And say, what's what I really enjoy is educating people on these things and identifying with other entrepreneurs about being in the trenches and, and working 12 past at the same time and you know putting plates in the wheel while it's already going downhill and identifying with people with the madness of that and trying to make sense of it and put systems in place that they can begin to enjoy running the business instead of being buried by it. So it was an, coming from a place of, I know what I'm talking about. I've been here. Let's do this together 
to an empathic component of like, I know what it's like to be in the shit. I can talk with you about this and I can see a way forward for you to get out of it. I did it. You can do it. Let's talk. And so it was this great hybrid of wanting to help people, but also coming from a lot of experience on how am I exactly going to help you? And that's what brought me into advising. That's cool. Yeah. And as a, a natural performer, TJ's a musician, a super talented musician. I'm sure there's some element of that you enjoy. Well, for sure. Some people joked that I opened the brewery just so I had a place to play guitar and sing, which isn't entirely They're untrue. Not wrong. Yeah, it's not totally untrue, but there were some other motivators for sure. To open Everyone who's listening this, get on TJ's back about getting him to put out his album. <laughs> Everyone's going to be your system of accountability. It's not new- like you only have a, <laughs> you know, a new business that you're starting. But yeah, I want to talk more about Zuni Street and what it was like to grow something, scale something, and then sell your share. Or sell your portion of it. Because that is not often how we start things in mind as entrepreneurs. We think of an idea and we put all of our heart and soul in growing it. And we just imagine that it's going to work out forever. And guess what? Nothing's permanent. So tell me a little bit about that sort of pivot when you realized it was time to go. What was that like for you as a founder? Yeah. You know, that's something I still... I still struggle with a bit today. It's it's really hard to move on from something like that. It's a breakup. And it's a breakup. And I think one of the major or the the only thing that really had me moving on was the partnership issues. And, you know, my partner was somebody that I'd known for 20 years going into the business. And we had our, our good and bad moments throughout the life of the business, but we were generally bad and got more and more toxic. I kind of reached a place where I'm like, this is this is getting really bad. And the the relationship, the business is coming from the pair of us. And as this be- continues to deteriorate, I think it's going to begin to hurt the business. So one of us needs to exit. And so our, our operating agreement was designed to have, you know, a buyout clause in it. There was a, a buy-sell component where one of us could pull the lever and force an exit for, you know, one of us to go. And it was opportunity for him to buy me out or me to buy him out. And it worked out, you know, one way or another that it was me exiting. It was still the right thing for the business. I think if the two of us stay, we're going <laughs> to fold it together because it was just getting really mm-hmm. difficult. And for me personally, but it was the right move at the end to say, well, let's have one of us continue for without the other. Yeah. So how would you advise people that are maybe going through something like that? And there's a lot of pride, right? There's a lot of pride that happens when you <laughs> grow a business. I mean, Zuni Street is hugely popular. Like when I moved to town, it was like a brewery, like the brewery that I would go to, to hang out at. Right. And so when you grow something that notable, there's an amount of like attachment to it. And so what would you say to those listening, if they're currently grappling with a similar situation of it's bringing me more pain than good. And I actually, the business might be at risk because of this like personnel or partner conflict. Well, for one, it helps to have some kind of exit clause. I think whoever you're partnering with, it might, it might be your spouse or a, a sibling, you know, loved one or sibling. It, it might be just be a business partner. And things might be strong when you first make the partnership. But it's always really good to have something in the back door. If the worst case scenario happens and the relationship goes foul, to have some way the business can you know, withstand your breakup. So we were fortunate enough to have the foresight to put that in place for our operating agreement and say, one of us can go, the place can still move on without us, you know, exploding everything. So that was a, a big piece of the puzzle that I'm glad that we put in there and we're able to act on it and, you know, have a clean exit. Good foresight or good advice. <laughs> it's pretty good standard practice, but I think it's a lot of times it's easy to say, no, nothing could ever go that wrong. 
And it's like, yeah, you're still in the dreamy state. Yeah. You're just knocking on the door of Murphy's law, you know, hoping <laughs> you're really tempting fate by, by having that. And I think, you know, that there were probably some things we could have done better in operating agreement will always be good, but we had, you know, when push came to shove, we had the exit component as far as getting the mentality together. I think the year before I exited, I probably I couldn't imagine. I thought of it a few times. Like, I can't actually see leaving this place and saying goodbye to the brand. But the more I thought about the personal toll it was taking on, you know, remaining in the partnership and trying to run a business with somebody that you just weren't getting along with, it started to separate enough to say, I'm a different person than the brand. And my value is not derived from the business or from the brand or its success. And I can separate myself and my ego from what the business is. And I can see it as a separate entity and be proud of the work that I did there and the brand that I created and the community and the culture that's built around it. Those are all things that I'm still immensely proud of, but I'm able to separate myself from those components and still be on my own. And I think once I made that transition in my own mind and in my own heart to say, you can move past this, there'll be something different, there'll be something else. And even if there's not, you can be happy for what you did and you don't have to be tied to it forever when it's also killing you at the same time because the relationship's gone foul. Yeah. And I want to commend you for being able to lean into that abundance rather than that scarcity mindset, because it's really hard to get there, especially when it hurts so bad. Yeah. To see the gifts and to see the expansion in it, rather like when you're in the contraction, it's so hard to see the expansion. And so I really acknowledge you for that because I know from being friends with you now for almost a year and when you sold your part of Zuni, that is like a little over a year ago. And so pretty much ever since I've known you, that's sort of been something you've been navigating. And so I'm curious to see like a year out from that experience, what would you tell then TJ about your, your post exit exit plan on how to take care of you as a person and an entrepreneur? It was me. I was really glad that I did do was I took time and I, intentionally took some time after the exit. It was, you know, between the planning and build out and operating, it was, you know, solid five years of working on that and really having your entire being, your body, mind, soul, always caught up in it. And it it took a lot away from my personal relationships and my, you know, connection with myself because it was like any, any moment of free time you had, you were still dwelling on the business or answering emails or, you know, you weren't fully present with the people around you. So I was like, let me take some time and really consciously disconnect myself from that. And I'm not worried about checking emails all the time. I'm not worried about getting a phone call on Friday nights. And when I'm with people, I'm really present. And I'm working on reestablishing those connections and then working on myself again. And I got really, it was, you know, pandemic time. So I was going to go meet with people and go travel. Backpacking. So I converted that. Yeah. So I converted that to gardening and <laughs> cycling, which are very solo. <laughs> they keep a mean garden. Yeah. But you got a great garden, really got into cycling, but just got better at spending time doing things for myself, which I think another major learning factor coming out of this was you said the self-care and being in touch. And I think it's so easy for the hustler entrepreneur to say, I'm going to put all that aside. None of that matters. As long as my business is healthy and growing, then I don't have to worry about a personal life or you know hobbies or that kind of thing. And it really is not true. <laughs> those, it starts to get to you. You don't have time for yourself. And those those start to fray away after a while. So it was great to reconnect, find some hobbies and some passion outside of work, outside of the brewery. So I was really glad that I took that time. Um, things to do differently. 
you know, I don't know. I, I really was very intentional and took a lot of time and find what that next position would be. I think I had the foresight not to jump in anything really quickly, not to get into some investment, not to just first thing that came along and yeah, and maybe maybe set some more timelines. It ended up being like about a year out, but I think I got in everything that I wanted to get in during that time and did the personal reconstruction that I needed to get done. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that time off, to be honest. Yeah, I, think it's... <laughs> I, I think I was the only person in Denver who was expecting to do jack all <laughs> last summer. <laughs> it's great. Some part of me is quite jealous, but I did take two years off. So my father would argue, Katie, it's actually not your turn to take another sabbatical. Conversely, <laughs> but it is honestly, it is that time when we're not grinding, when we have the spaciousness to think and evolve and question and be with the uncomfortableness and heal that at least I have, I'll take own it with the eye, but like I've grown the most from my time off because work is busy. And as an entrepreneur, you're never not working. You're always thinking about what can you do to improve your business, to grow your business, to scale your business, to get more people to show up for your business. And I say mm-hmm. that like, with such like enthusiasm and power, because that's the way it feels. It's just like this, like ongoing flow of never ending tasks as a business owner. Bingo. Yeah. So we have a lot of listeners on here. Our podcast is geared towards entrepreneurs. And so that's why I'm asking you these questions that are hard and they're real. And I know it was an extremely difficult and excruciating process to leave something you built because you put your all in it and that's never easy. Yeah. So I'm curious. What are you now most excited about having that like massive sort of item on your resume, so to speak, growing a business and scaling it successfully. And now you're an advisor. Like what is lighting you up the most now? It's that, that connectivity of talking with entrepreneurs who are in the shit right now and finding their pain points and saying, finding what's keeping them from being where they want to be. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go and they'll buy a business or they'll start something up like, this isn't what I thought I'd be doing. This isn't what I wanted to be doing. Why am I spending so much time doing this? Or I'm not making enough money or uh, I'm not growing enough. I don't have enough impact. And it's, it's not everyone saying that, especially not out loud, but I think everyone's got their, you know, they're all go-getters. There's always something, you know, a bigger mountain they want to attain. So being able to level with them and connect on, well, what's, how do you, how can we get there? What's in your way? And so find those pain points. Is it that you need a better analysis of your financials? Do you have money that you can start paying somebody to take in your shoes and the bookkeeping? Or can you put more money towards your marketing expenses? What are you doing for marketing? Mm-hmm. You know, How much are you pushing that direction? What's your allocation? How are you doing your sales? What's your beauty process? And it, as the questions go, we start to find gaps where people are like, I don't know. I haven't looked at that. Or I haven't thought of doing it that way. And so it's connecting with people on that gap and like the need to grow. And then being able to help them fill in the pieces like, well, my God, if we start doing this, this, and this, you might actually start hitting the goals that you thought you'd be getting at. So it's connecting with people on their struggle and connecting with those pain points and where they want to grow. And then also the sweet spot is being able to see that and identify it with them and then being on the back end saying, I can help you with that. Do you want that? Would that be good? Like, hell yeah. And so it's having that having that link and we work with people it's not like a vendor scenario we don't say we're their service provider or anything like that it's more of like a non-equity partner it's like i want to come in with you and look at this through the eyes of a, a non-equity partner that would say help with decision making let's do some soundboarding and bounce things back and forth it's really lonely being an entrepreneur can i get an amen whether 
<laughs> yeah. Whether whether or not you have a partner, sometimes, you know, in my case, having a partner made me even more lonely. Because yeah. <laughs> there was somebody right there you couldn't talk to about stuff. But oftentimes it's it's a, a solopreneur, someone that's working on their own. They don't have someone to feed back and forth off of. So I enjoy providing that, being that person that you don't have to pay me equity stuff, just pay me a monthly, a monthly fee to be your advisor. Yeah. But let me look at this with you as a partner would to help problem solve this and give you my experience and background to get you where you want to go. It is amazing when you intentionally look and ask questions that get under the what beneath the what and the why beneath the why and how transformative that can be. I mean, that's why I exist as a coach is I'm just a really keen observer. And I ask people really bold, tough, hard questions that sometimes we're not even willing to ask ourselves. And so I love that you're doing that for entrepreneurs and small business owners, because it is, I don't think it happens enough. I don't think people, whether you're partners or you're a paid partner, so to speak, I don't think we ask each other hard enough questions that get to what we're hiding or what we're not seeing intentionally or what's in our blind spots. Bingo. Clearly you're in the right seat. That's a cool thing. It's always good to feel like you're, you know, the right person, right butt, right seat. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a growing experience as well, you know, from being hands-on doer to like, let's talk about your problems and try to help you figure it out. It's not doing everything for you. It's, it's working through it together. Mm-hmm. So there's always a curve. I think one of the things we talk about, it's, you know, you're lobstering right now. <laughs> you're moving from one shell to the next it's, it's oh, painful God. and it's a growing experience. You're Maybe use the word metamorphosis. That is my metaphor. Have I ever shared that with you before? No. What's up? Oh, because I, I was having a very difficult time when I was 26 years old. And I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing? I'm so lost. Like classic Katie in her 20s could see you know, 30 years into the future, but couldn't see until 27. And so that's when that gave me like sort of the courage, the confidence and like the impatience to quit my job and go backpacking to figure out like, who the heck am I actually really? And what do I really want? And so that was great. And all very expansive, got to know myself. And I came back and had never felt lonelier or more lost, which is very much the antithesis of what I was going for when I went to go backpack. Mm. And so I found myself in this limbo land of like, I had just come off of this backpacking adventure and theoretically I could go back out because I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't have a job. I was just freelancing, but I didn't know yet where I was moving to, but I could feel it pulling me forward. And so I called that limbo land. And for me, that's like purgatory because it's the uncertainty. It's the fear of what's going to happen. We don't know because as humans, we're wired towards certainty and we want to know our future, even though that's impossible. And so with a coach I had, this is a lot of words, I'll get to the point. Um, with a coach I had, I reframed that to metamorphosis. And so I got to become like, be this caterpillar in my cocoon, which made that sort of limbo land, that darkness, that uncertainty feel that much more beautiful and emergent because I wasn't just stuck. I was emerging into my new way of being in my new journey. I really like that metaphor. Absolutely. Yeah. Metamorphosis. Of course, you'll be thinking about cockroaches and uh, Franz Kafka, but that's just the <laughs> English background for me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as we wrap up, Mike and I like to finish every episode with what we want one another to take away from this episode for our viewers or for our listeners. So what is one thing you'd like to recap and reiterate as like priority? coming out of this episode? 
Mm, that's a really good question. I think the kind of going back early on talking about there's a mindset with entrepreneurs in the productivity world and we want to try and do everything. And sometimes we don't feel like we're doing enough if we're not doing everything. And that's such a, it's like counterintuitive, right? It's like this, this crisscross balance of like our motor says do everything, but also we know to make progress, we have to do a little bit less and independent other people and systems and processes. And mm -hmm. so it's such a kind of funny food for thought to bring that home and just say, how can I do a bit less? And by doing less, I'm doing more. <laughs> yeah. And I love that because it actually reminds me of an episode we did earlier on on limiting beliefs. And I know that's something I've grappled with, with my, like my limiting belief of not enoughness, like, unless I am like flat out running at a hundred miles an hour, doing as much as I can, like I'm not earning my worth. And mm -hmm. so I really love the idea of like putting the systems and processes in place to be able to step back and be more effective. And that doesn't mean working harder and grinding harder. It actually means being more effective and taking less time. Bingo. Yeah, that's good. What would I say? I think the important, just to reiterate, like the importance of having someone in your court, like someone that you allow to see you and witness you and your business and ask you those tough questions that you necessarily can't see or you're not willing to go out alone. Like why advising and consulting and coaching is so important. They're all three very different, but they all serve a purpose. And that's basically to help you get out of your own way. Couldn't have said it better myself. How can people find you, TJ? Let's say they're like, wow, my mind is blown. TJ Slattery is amazing. I need him to advise me in my business because he gets me. How can people find you? Let's see. Drop me a line, TJ at cultivateadvisors.com. Or if you're just listening to this podcast, I'm sure if you write a letter to Katie, she'll put it on, put it forward for me. <laughs> but yeah, TJ at cultivateadvisors.com. Also, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. So drop me a message. It's TJ Slattery on the LinkedIn channel. Awesome. Well, TJ, it was so great to have you. I'm excited we could record one of our conversations about your journey because it's absolutely fascinating to me and it's powerful and it's potent and you've learned a shit ton, let's say, in the past eight years. So thank you. Damn straight. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great pleasure. <laughs> it's been a great pleasure. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Live Your Truth Now. Thank you again to our sponsor, Our Soul Visualize Innovation. And let us know if you like this episode. Like it, review it, drop us a line. You can find me on Instagram at Fueling Freedom. And you can find Mike Ligori at Mike Ligori Writes. Until next time, bye everybody. Bye.